You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. That Richard, that's a blessing. I'll tell you, we, uh, we, but I'm telling you, we can trust him because he loves us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Richard. I enjoyed that. Uh, great lessons to be learned there. Uh, We're going to be in the Gospel of John again today. The Gospel of John, chapter number 4, please. The Gospel of John, chapter number 4. And I want to preach to you today just for a little bit on the thought on what we really need. But before I do that, I'm going to dismiss the junior church. Allow the kids to go back. uh, Dismiss the junior church. But what we really need today. uh, Just notice a couple things with me out of John, chapter number 4. Look at verses 7 and 8 to start with, and we're going to be preaching kind of through this chapter. The Bible says there in verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. So right here in this conversation, we have it within these first two verses that Jesus asked a woman that was coming to get water to give me a drink. Now, he was there because the disciples had gone into Samaria to buy meat. And when you go from chapter or verse number 9 all the way through verse number 15, a conversation ensues between Christ and the woman that's concerning man's most basic and desperate need, really, and that's water. Water. You cannot survive very long without water. We are made predominantly of water. And so water is vital. And then now if you skip down to verse 31 and 32, and he also mentions the meat there that his disciples went to get. Look at verse 31 of the same chapter. Verse 31, the Bible says, In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. So now the dialogue shifts to food, to eating food, getting food, etc. It's about food. Now, isn't it awesome when you think about this chapter, it's basically the the, the backdrop behind everything that's going on in John chapter 4 is about food and water. Because there's lessons that God wants to teach us through our, these needs of food and water that we definitely have. See, because this just chapter is all about thirsty and hungry people. Now, I know it's dangerous to preach about food on a Sunday morning, amen? Because pretty soon somebody's already probably sitting there hungry. But this whole chapter is about people who are hungry and thirsty, something we can all relate to. When Natalie was about seven years old, she had spent a hot summer day playing outside. And I can remember it just like it was yesterday. All of a sudden, the the door burst open, and in comes Natalie. Just panting, red-faced, getting to the... And she's working her way toward the kitchen. And what she says as she goes, I need, I need ice cream. (laughs) 
<laughs> Natalie's always had a flair for the dramatic, let me tell you. Uh, I need ice cream. Now, I'm not so sure that what she needed was ice cream, but at that moment, she certainly thought that she needed ice cream. You see, God made the human brain so that when we're thirsty, uh, when we're thirsty, cells in the lamina term, uh, terminalis, external st- stimulation causes us to feel, I'm sorry, when there's... <laughs> Can we edit this part? I hate live sometimes, okay? But uh, listen, so there's parts, there's something in our brain that's called the lamina terminalis that project to other areas of our brain that our bodies need water. So in, within our brain it says, hey, tell the mouth, get dry. You know, like start to crave water. There's something in our brain that says, get some water, get some water. And then within our brain also, when we get hungry, yes, I'm trying it again, the, 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 the lateral hypothalamus responds to internal or external stimulation that causes us to feel hungry. Bottom line is, man needs food and water. God has made us that way. And consider the links that man will go to to get food and water. When you're hungry and thirsty, am I right or wrong? It's hard to think about anything else. It's so hard to think. When you're thirsty, it's hard to concentrate on anything else. And by the way, you're going to hate me this morning because I'm going to be drinking water the whole time I'm preaching while you sit there thirsty. Talking about it's making me thirsty. When you're hungry, all you can focus on is how hungry you are. And that's why sometimes you get hangry. Anybody? You'll snap somebody's head off. You're like, my God. Sorry, I just hadn't ate yet. We need food. It's hard to focus on anything else. Jesus in this chapter is talking about two things that every one of us, from the youngest one to the oldest, Nathan knows what it is to be hungry and thirsty. Everyone in here, no matter how young or how old, we understand being hungry. We understand being thirsty. Jesus uses these desperate needs that we all know to illustrate a spiritual truth. A spiritual truth. Now, we preached about one of those spiritual truths last week, and that, con- that concerns salvation. Now, there's a lesson that every one of us, that God tries to teach every man and every woman, every boy and every girl. And that is that since we are spiritual beings, we cannot be satisfied fully through physical means. Because the external can't truly satisfy the spiritual. In other words, the fact that we aren't fully satisfied with this world or the things that are in this world teaches us that we are suited for another world. It teaches us that we are spiritual beings at our core. So when Jesus interacted with the woman at the well, He says in in, in terms of salvation... Jesus uses this to communicate the need for salvation with the woman at the well. And that's why he asked her, he says, you know, you drink from this water, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink from the water that I shall give him, the living water, you'll never thirst again. And I do just want to pause a moment right here to say that if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you're missing something today. You're thirsting deep inside. And you may be trying to find it in religion, 
You may be trying to find it in the sinful things of this world, but I'm telling you, you will only find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I just pause one moment and ask this question. Has anybody taken a drink from that living water? There's four of you. The rest of you need to get saved. Amen. And you can do it today. Listen, you can know what it's like to have spiritual satisfaction. You can know what it is to receive Christ as your Savior, to receive that gift of salvation. And man, you talk about a thirst. You've tried everything in this world, but when you accept Christ, man, let me tell you, you find what you've been looking for that this world could never fill. I remember years ago, I was thinking about this when it comes to our brain. I was thinking about food, uh, but I was thinking about uh, years ago, uh, when I, before I really started drinking water on a regular basis, I only drank carbonated water that also had a bunch of sugar and glucose and other types of sugars and uh, dyes and everything added. It used to be the only water I drank. In other words, I drank Pepsi uh, a lot. And I'm ashamed to say that, and I know you Mountain Dew cool guys are going to judge me for that, but I drank Pepsi. Uh, but I was so shocked because, son, I drank a ton of it. I drank a ton of it. I don't even know how much I would drink, but I'm constantly drinking a pop, drinking a pop. And uh, but then I went to the doctor just to get. Uh, I was starting a new job, and they were uh, Zach's getting thirsty now. But I, I was, uh, I was uh, starting a new job, so I had to get a physical, and it shocked me when the woman she said, she said, "Wow," she said, "You're you're really dehydrated." And this is like a, you know one o'clock, and I'm like, "Lady, I've drunk like four or five Pepsi's today. There's no way I'm dehydrated." Uh, but I found out that Pepsi doesn't really, really fix it because the sugars and everything else in there, it may tell you for a while, yeah, that's what I need, but then you've got to have more and more, all right? And so uh, it's, 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 with, it's similar with salvation. People try to find satisfaction in these other things that will not satisfy. Notice what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 24. He said this, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in this chapter, in this instance of this cross-cultural, the first instance we find in the Bible of cross-cultural evangelism, Jesus crosses at least three significant barriers in this story. Because I want you to follow me. First of all, Jesus is thirsty physically. And he's hungry because he sent his disciples to buy food. But also, Jesus is thirsty and hungry spiritually as well. There's something more he's wanting. This woman is physically thirsty. She's at a well. But Jesus is saying, but you also have a spiritual thirst that you need quenched. The disciples are clearly hungry. They went to go get meat as well into the city. So I just want you to try to follow me here, and I'm going to try to bring it all together. So in this first cross-cultural evangelism, Jesus crossed three significant barriers. Number one, he crossed the socio-ethnic barrier. In other words, he was dealing with a Samaritan woman. And this is pretty important, so just bear with me for a moment. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew as far as the flesh is concerned. The Samaritans, there was a long time prejudice between the Samaritans. I mean, I'm talking about close to 800 years between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. In about 721 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians, the Assyrian Empire. Many of the people of Israel were led off to Syria as captives. But there were some that remained in the land in the northern kingdom. And 
the Assyrian kingdom planted Assyrian people and other people in that area. And what happened was the Jews and these Assyrians and others began to intermarry uh, with the different ones there. They began to worship different gods. But these half-Jew, half-Gentile people began known as Samaritans. They mixed between each other. They mixed their religions. They built a different temple. Their history really heated up through the rebuilding of the temple and the walls. If you read Ezra and Nehemiah, pay attention to what's going on there with the Samaritans. There's a long and bitter history between these two. There's religious issues between them. There's ethnic issues between them. We could, we, we could say racial for our purposes, even though we know there's only one race. But there's issues there. But Jesus broke that barrier. Jesus broke a gender barrier by communicating with this woman. In this culture, oftentimes women would not speak in public to men. There was also a moral barrier that was imposed by this woman's uh, sinful lifestyle. But here's one of the great things about Jesus when it comes to reaching out to people with a sinful lifestyle. It's illustrated with the lepers. The lepers had a highly contagious disease back in this day. Therefore, you were not to touch a leper. You were to stay as far away from them as possible. Because what would happen is, there's a good possibility if you got too close and touched a leper, their leprosy would get on you. And in the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin. But there's an awesome thing that took place when Jesus came walking in. Because since Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh, and He is holy, and He is righteous, when He goes, He's not avoiding the lepers. He goes to the lepers, and when He touches the lepers, their sin don't get on Him, His righteousness gets on them. Amen? In other words, He heals them. But Jesus broke all these barriers. But here's the question I say. Why did Jesus cross these barriers? The thirsting and the hungering here speaks of salvation. We preached about last week. But I want to say also, this thirsting and hungering speaks of seeking. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 4 of John chapter 4. The Bible says, And he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Look at verse number 23 with me. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now this is a pretty awesome thing to me. Jesus, I mentioned it last week, but Jesus had an appointment with this woman back from the foundation of the world and beyond. This was a day Jesus had circled on His calendar, and I'm telling you, Jesus was longing to see this woman drink from the living water. He was longing to see this woman receive the gift of salvation. That's pretty awesome to me. So he had this desire. He had a thirst. He had a hunger to see this woman saved. You know, something I saw in this passage I've never seen. There's a few things that I'm sharing with you today. But one is this. By the time Jesus gets to verses 23 and verse 24 in that conversation, the Holy Spirit of God is already working on this woman's heart. The scales are beginning to fall from her eyes. And I believe with all of my heart when Jesus looked at her, and said, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. You know what Jesus found there that day at the well? 
he found one of those true worshipers. And I believe he really was trying to let her know, God is seeking you. He's seeking for somebody not to worship at Gerizim, not to worship at Jerusalem, but to worship Him in spirit. He found one. And I I can imagine His eyes lighting up like He's seeking such to worship Him. So, this hunger and thirst is illustrate, it illustrates salvation, it illustrates service, and this it's seeking, and then lastly, it illustrates service. And this is where I want to spend most of my time this morning. Now, let's read between the lines here a little bit today, and I believe that we can do so without uh, violating the Scripture at all. Let's read between the lines here a moment. As I move around just here a moment, if you'll bear with me, just think about this. Now, Jesus sends his disciples into town for the purpose of getting meat. Where is he sending them to? He's sending them to town. Now, my assumption is that, he, that he's sending them to the same town that this woman came from. Which means that while the disciples were going, this woman is coming. Now, these good, holy, Bible-believing disciples, I'll tell you what they did when they saw the woman, no doubt. As that woman comes walking up, Natalie, won't you come walking up? Come from over there. That's fine. As she comes walking up, keep keep on coming. I was trying to get you to go that way. Anyway, as, as she's walking this way, those disciples would have been, okay. They would have avoided her at all costs. You can go sit down. Thanks. They would have avoided her at all costs. And not only that, I can imagine they may have even glared at her and gave her some looks, which makes me wonder, think about this for a moment. You remember how snarky this woman was when when she saw Jesus there and he asked for a drink of water? How, How is it that you being a Jew's talking to me? I wonder if it was pretty fresh on her mind as those disciples looked and and avoided getting anywhere close to this woman. I wonder if it was anywhere on her mind. Those stinking Jews. What are they doing in Samaria anyway? They think they're too good to be here. I can't stand those stupid Jews. That all may have been going through her mind. Then she gets to the well like, oh my gosh, here sits another one. And now he's going to try to talk to me. So there's that. These, These disciples possibly would have passed this woman. Also, I think about this. Remember this. I told you this last week for those that weren't here. Most self-respecting Jews, rather than go through Samaria to get to the other side of Samaria, they would go clear around Samaria. It did not matter because they were too good to be among these people. And those people didn't care. I mean, listen, it was a mutual feeling between these people. So how do you think the disciples would have felt when Jesus said, hey, number one, we're going to Samaria. I've got an appointment there. Number two, I need somebody to go get some meat. Now here's the 12 of them. Have you ever read about these 12? you, You don't see them too often saying, oh, yes, my Lord, we'll do just what you say. These were the arguingest bunch of people you'd ever want to meet in your lives. And I can't help but believe that right away Peter spoke up and said, well, Judas, you've got the bag, so it probably should be you going. I mean, how many people do they need to buy meat for, you know, these 13 people? Uh, 
Judas, you can go, and, or here's Peter, maybe he's pulling rank as the big brother. Andrew, you, you go on there and you do it. And, and they're arguing, then John, John speaks up because Peter gets on his nerves, something fierce. And John says, Peter, won't you shut up and do it yourself? Quit bossing everybody else around. And Jesus says, I got a better idea because nobody wants to do it. I promise you nobody wants to do this. Jesus says, I got a better idea. Why don't all 12 of you go instead? You ever done that kind of thing, parents? Oh, why don't he do it? Why don't she do it? Why don't they go? Why don't just both of you go do it right now? Oh, man. And I can imagine those disciples. And they, the first thing they see, there's one of those stinking Samaritan women. I can't believe it. So they get into town. They didn't want to go there. You mark this down. Now, when you fast forward just a little bit, we preached on this last week, so I'm not spending a lot of time with the interaction between Jesus and the woman. But after Jesus shares, the, reveals who He is to her, and aren't you glad when Jesus reveals who He is? That's what salvation is, isn't it? When you realize that Jesus, He's not just the Savior of the world, He's your Savior. He died for you. He wants to save you. And so when she saw that Jesus died for her, that she could be saved, that He was the Messiah, she put her faith and trust in Him. And notice what the Bible says here in verse number 28. And it's kind of funny to think about. Because here she goes. The disciples are coming and they see Jesus talking to the woman. And so now she's about to pass them again. And uh, but notice verse number 28. The Bible says, Then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Oh man. Listen, understand this. See, I believe that Jesus went to Samaria to that well because he had a desire. He had a thirst. He had a hunger to see that dear woman saved. This woman had a thirst to be saved, but she got saved. Anybody know what it's like to get saved? All right, a couple more. We're doing good. Uh, getting some more saved in here, all right? Uh, saved. But I'm telling you, God satisfies that thirst. It's awesome to know, man, my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. But then all of a sudden, man, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty again. But I'm not thirsty for salvation anymore. I'm not, I'm not thirsty for peace anymore. I've got that peace. I've got that assurance. I'm not thirsty for that anymore. But oh my goodness, you know what I'm thirsty for? What about my unsaved family? What about my buddies that don't know Christ? So all of a sudden, this woman goes from being thirsty for salvation to now she's thirsty for souls. We, we talked about last week, we presume that the reason that this woman went to the well at noonday rather than in the morning when it was traditional to go is because she was an outcast, married five times, shacking up, living in sin with the man that she was currently living with. We assume that she was a social outcast. We assume that she probably tried to avoid people because she didn't like the looks, didn't like the talk, didn't like the chatter, okay? But now all that goes out the door. Because she's like, oh my gosh, you can know Jesus. You can actually know the Messiah. This is real. You can know the Creator. 
So I can just see this woman, can't you? Here they are, working in town, going about their daily business. Soon they hear something off in the distance. Did I hear something? And they look off in that direction, and they see a figure coming. And it's a woman waving her hands and maybe running into the city. What is... And by this time, maybe some more people standing there watching. Pretty soon they recognize... That's the woman at the well. That's Sam, you know, the Samaritan woman. That's, there she is. And I mean, here she comes running. Ain't that the lady that usually just puts her head down or gives us a dirty look and we give her a dirty look and we go on about our day? No, no. Now, this is the woman. She is running to town. Y'all, you got to come see. I met somebody today. I'm, <laughs> woo, I met somebody today. Let me tell you something. He told me all things whatsoever I did. He knew my sinful life, but He forgave me. He loved me. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me peace. Come, come, will you come? Y'all come with me. I want to get you to Jesus. He'll do the same for you. Hey, did you hear me? Did you you hear what I was telling them? Jesus, there's a man out here. It's the Messiah. You still standing there? Come on, let's go. Come on, y'all. And everybody's like, okay, we got to see this. This woman is raising, I mean, look at all the excitement that she's got going on here. So here's this woman, and she's going into town, and she's telling all the men, she's telling all the people about Jesus and what He's done for her. Now, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Verse 31 of chapter 4. Think about this for a moment. Let's see a contrast. I'll I'll read it. I told you to turn there. Let's read the verse. Verse 31. In the meanwhile, his master, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. (laughs) There may not sound like a whole lot there, but listen to me. There's a couple things. For one thing, they went to town, probably the same town, they brought meat back. Remember that. But there's probably another thing working here too. If you've got good manners and you're sitting there with the Lord Jesus Christ and He's the Master, guess what you're probably not going to do until He does? You're probably not going to eat. And I can just all see them sitting there like, oh man, we're starving. We can't wait to get back here. Remember, what you are hungry for is what you're focused on. You can't hardly think of anything else. And so they're hungry and they're carrying that food with them. Peter probably already got snuck a couple bites, you know. And, uh, and they get out there and they are eating. They, they get the food out of Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord, you're going you're gonna to pray here? You're going to ask the blessing? And he's just kind of looking off in the distance. They're like, uh, Master, eat. Master, eat. Here's an interesting thing. We know, as we've mentioned already, meat, food is necessary for life. And there's a part of them, too. Have you ever cooked something for somebody and you kind of want them to eat it? Moms, dads, whoever it is that cooks in the house, you cook something, you're like, hey, are you going to eat this? Oh, no, I already ate two bowls of cereal. Don't you love that, moms? Eat! So there's another part of this. Lord, aren't you pleased with what I'm bringing you? Aren't you pleased with what I brought you? Didn't we do what you asked? See, there's two people in this story that are more concerned and satisfied by the spiritual more than the eternal. Two people. It's Jesus and it's the Samaritan woman. 
They're more interested in the spiritual than they are the material and the physical. They're locked in on that. You remember the woman? She left her water pot. She didn't even get a drink of water. And off she goes into town. But there's about 12 dudes that ain't thinking much about spiritual things at the moment. See, they got so stuck on the temporal that they lost track of the eternal. Now, notice this. Jesus answers them in verse 34, and He says, Jesus said unto him, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me, and to finish His work. What I want to try to get across to you, you know, I told you I was titling the message, What You Really Need. If you're not saved, you're never going to be satisfied till you know Jesus personally, and you can today. You'll never be satisfied. But I'll tell you this, child of God, we're never going to be truly satisfied until we learn that true satisfaction comes in the spiritual and not the temporal. In the spiritual and not the material. The satisfaction of spiritual things. You think about this for a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself just a minute. But the disciples went to town and what did they bring back? Meat, food. The woman went to town. She brought back men. She brought back people. Now what's God more interested in? More interested in the people. You know, I want to encourage you. Don't ever miss the will of God while you're doing the will of God. I want you to go with me for a moment and I want you to think about 12 people, 12 men that the Lord, I mean 12, I mean 12 guys that weren't supposed to amount to a whole lot that Jesus calls to be his followers. I want you to, to try to envision with me for a moment these 12 men seeing Jesus turn water into wine, seeing Jesus heal the sick, seeing Jesus raise the dead. Seeing all these great things. Hearing all the words and the wisdom of Christ. These men come into town. They avoided that woman. I guarantee you they talked to as few people as possible. They may not have even spoke. They may have just got their vittles, went and got them, set them up on the counter. They rung it up. That's my timer. Shut up. Can you edit that out, Nathan? <laughs> they set their food up on the counter, ring it up. How are y'all today? I'm talking to this woman. Think about how these two, think about how the Samaritan woman came back to town. Now think about how these guys are coming into town. Think about that. Missing the will of God while you're doing the will of God. Well, God told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. Okay. But maybe there's something else you can do along the way. Maybe there's something greater you can do. Maybe you can have even a better impact. I'm talking about service this morning. Okay? What do you really want? What do you really need? See, we're deceived into seeking more of this world when true joy is working for the Lord and working for the world to come. Remember when the Lord tells us to take up our cross? Don't that sound awful? Take up your cross and follow me. Forsake father and mother and follow me. That's terrible, isn't it? Sounds so terrible. (laughs) 
But you think about this for a moment. If we're not careful, we can think about that as some sort of cruel punishment. Yeah, I guess, guess I'm going to sacrifice and do something for God. I got these much more pleasurable things I could be doing. Isn't it something how that we get saved and we forget to bring some of the same principles into the Christian life that we try to tell unsaved people? You know, live by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We should live by faith by grace through faith. We, we, we tell unsaved people, oh, this world, this worldly stuff won't satisfy you. Then here we go to thinking the things of the world are going to satisfy us. Not necessarily sinful things. Nothing wrong with meat. Nothing wrong with water. But here it is. Take up your cross, follow me, serve Him. People can think that's a path of punishment, but it's not. It's a path of peace. It's a path of blessings and fulfillment. Folks, look at verse 36 through 38 with me. The Bible says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit into life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor, and ye are entered into their labors, other men's labors. Here's the point I'm just trying to make. That's a blessing. If I could do anything, this is a challenging message for me today, as well as for you. But when it comes to serving God, when it comes to sacrificing some things in order to serve God, Does that sound awful to you? Do you feel sorry for missionaries? Do you feel sorry for the people that commit such time up at this church doing stuff? You shouldn't. But if we're not careful, we can think, man, that's stinking. (laughs) You're missing it. That's the abundant life. The Bible says, he that sows, he that waters. Man, we're rejoicing together. I I ain't trying to toot my own horn by any means today, because I can't. But I want to tell you something today. Some people would think it would be a sacrifice. Number one, I don't know how many people I've said when I've met them, and where are you from? They hear my accent. I'm from North Carolina. And it's always kind of humorous when they say, what the blankety blank are you doing here? It's humorous because then I say, well, I'm a preacher. Then I say, oh. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm doing. I'm uh, moving my family, and we're going to South Dakota. Now, in in a sense, that falls into the category of sacrifice. And it falls into the category, and that's why I'm so miserable today, just let me tell you. I'm so miserable today because I, I, and I've made my poor family. Don't she look terrible and sad? I've made my poor family move up here. You know? And, and, and they've willingly committed, my wife has willing, willingly committed her life to serve. Folks, I want to tell you, you're looking at a black. You're looking at a, I don't know who has it better than me today. I'm telling you the truth. I don't know anyone. I'm, I do not know of anyone that has it better than me today. I am blessed. Why? Because I have the opportunity, I have the privilege to be able to do this. And yes, I I suppose it's serving, and I suppose by some people's measures, I suppose there's some sacrifice involved, but man, it just feels like a big old blessing for me. I'm scared to tell y'all that I feel guilty even getting paid, amen? Because I still want y'all to pay me, but, but, but honestly, I would pay to do this. This is awesome. It really is. Uh, so all I'm just simply trying to say is, I'm trying to say that 
Learn to hunger after, learn to hunger after the spiritual. Learn to hunger after uh, service and sacrifice. Uh, man, I want to try to bring this to a close, but I just got one or, one or two more thoughts I'd like to share with you before we do this. She brought all these people out there. Jesus said, look at there. Look at the harvest fields. Amen. You could see it verse 35 through 36. We mentioned that already. All the way down to verse number 42. The Bible says, look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which did testify, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that they would tarry with him, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And we'll just pause right there. I encourage you to read the whole story again later. But think about this woman bringing these men to Christ, bringing Christ to these people, bringing the word of Christ into these people. See, I love this. The disciples, man, they had it all together. They had advantages that nobody else had, being with Christ. This woman couldn't have answered too many questions when she got to town. Well, if this is the Christ, what about, I don't know about none of that. But I know what he did for me. You know, some, some people get caught up, well, preacher, I can't witness to somebody. They might ask me a question, I don't know. So what? Just, just get back to the question you do know. And you, 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 you know what you can say? I don't know. But I know what Jesus did for me, Amen excitedly we know the thirst i know i was thirsty but i'm not thirsty anymore i was hungry but he 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 filled my hunger he satisfied me folks listen though it's not about us it's not about our intellect it's 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 his it's our job to go it's his job to empower the holy spirit of god that moved on the word of god in the inexplicable miracle of creation is the same spirit of god the same word of god that will transform people today i'm going to try to close with this point i want to get back to those samaritans a little bit those disciples have already mentioned they didn't bring anybody from sychar they did not even enter into town with joy they didn't come say, hey, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on the outskirts of town, there's a miracle worker out there. There's somebody who can change their life. You know why? Because they were too busy focusing on themselves. What do we really need? We need, we, we need the spiritual over the temporal. But here we go. They didn't enter into town with joy and excitement that the Savior that changed their lives would change their lives. But they entered the, the, the town with disdain. Listen to me now. They, they entered into town, Ralph, disdain, disgusted at these people. They couldn't stand being around these people. And those people felt the same way about them. But I've got a question for you today. How do you view people around you? How do you view people around you? How do you view the drunks, the immoral, the foul-mouthed. How do you view those people? Let, let's bring it to a good you know, parallel with the story. How do you view immigrants? Well, preacher, I believe they ought, I believe they ought to blah, 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 a bunch of stuff too. But do you tell them about somebody that you met? 
See, we, we, there, there's something else that we think we need. We think we need this feeling of superiority sometimes. As, as a, as a, we're so much godlier than these ungodly people. Or we're so much better. I mean, man, you're looking at a red-blooded American, but you're looking at a Christian that I want to see some immigrants come to Jesus. Do you? I really. But what do you do when you see an immigrant? What do you do when you see a Muslim immigrant? Oh, my goodness. You know, probably going to blow something up in here today. I know extremist Muslims blow stuff up. I get that. But if you understood the percentage of Muslim people that did that, I'm not justifying Islam by any stretch of the imagination. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I am telling you is that there are many Muslims coming to Jesus. You want to know why? The Muslims that are coming to Jesus, it's people going and taking Jesus to them. David Gates in Dearborn, Michigan, and others. These people will receive you. I don't care how they talk, how they look. I don't care if they're Muslim or not. You know what they need? They need to hear the love of Jesus. But how do we view these people? How do we view these people? Are you disgusted? Does it make you sick? Does it make you mad? Do you think you're bad? Or do you look at that person and say, Man, I wonder if anybody told them about Jesus yet. They're from a Muslim country, man. I don't know. They, maybe they really hadn't heard about Christ. I, well, I'd love to be the one to tell them. I'd love to be the one to tell them. How do you view people? Now, bear with me on this one. What do you do with the leftists? Oh, buddy, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do with the leftists. Okay. Uh, I understand we've got some stuff to stand against. But I'd like to win one to Jesus, wouldn't you? Amen. Them, them leftists still have souls. You want to know something? We, li- we live, our culture, man, it's, 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 it's tough to navigate a little bit, isn't it? We live in a culture that just totally condones, holds up, promotes sin. We do. Our young people are coming up in a different way. So let me ask you this, though. So when you listen to, what, listen to my terminology here, I'm not asking you where do you stand on homosexuality and what the Bible says. I stand with where the Bible stands on that. But I also stand with the Bible on John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him. In other words, that Jesus died for every one of these people. So what do you do when you see an LGBTQ person or whatever? Oh, I'll tell you what I'd do. Well, well maybe we could talk to them about Jesus. Maybe they're confused. Maybe a lot of things. I'm not saying that we don't stand against sin, but I am telling you that we love people. That we love people. That we share Christ with people. See, because we ought always, the thing this woman had, she had a spiritual self-awareness that those disciples just didn't seem to have. She knew she was a sinner. She was just a sinner. I heard it said this way. She was just a beggar telling other beggars where to get bread. Amen. But all of a sudden, we get saved, you know, and we're, we're better than other people, and we're, we're whatever. No, sir. No, we're not at all. Man, we're just a bunch of sinners, and we need to let people know, hey, Jesus will save you too. Amen. So, are you, what are you hungry for? Are you hungry? Are you satisfied with your pride? Is that what fills you up? We can all stand this morning, and I'm going to ask Sonia if she would to come. But, just as you're standing, we get ready to dismiss, and I'm just going to stop, obviously, but...